really good to see your faces. I see faces from long ago, faces from two months ago. Uh, Good to see you. Well, um, we're almost done our series, and uh, if you're visiting, we've been going through the Psalms this summer whenever I've been around, and uh, we'll finish up next week on Psalms of of Trust. But um, today, our theme in the Psalms is the nations, and it's likely not a theme that comes to mind first when you think about the Psalms, right? You think about praise and thanksgiving. And yet nations appears about 83 times, at least in the NIV, in the book of Psalms itself. So that's quite a bit. It tells you something about what God thinks about regarding the relations, uh, the nations. Even though the Psalms kind of have this love-hate relationship between Israel and the nations. There is this consistent theme and concern for the nations throughout. You know, most of us strongly identify with the nation that we grew up with, and we, of course, normally defend our own home turf, right? We defend our flag, But likely there is a bit of nationalism in all of us. You know, when the Olympics roll around, you probably find yourself, you know, hollering and cheering for Team Canada, whether it's ice hockey or even curling, right? Go Canada, right? We get into that spirit for the Olympics or whatever. Now, for me, um, I'm a little bit mixed up. I mean, you already know that already. But I tend not to identify with one nation because of my third cultural background. And so, uh, for those who know me, my parents both were born and raised in British Columbia, but they took me to Japan as missionaries, so I grew up as a missionary kid in another culture as a missionary kid. So I have been both influenced by my own parents' culture, which was mostly Canadian, but also in the culture that I was raised. So that's what I mean. I'm a little mixed up. And so consequently, I grew up mainly identifying with my own third culture, which was neither strongly Canadian or strongly Japanese. Now, at best, my third cultural background has helped me to appreciate the beauty of multiple cultures, right? You're just exposed to different cultures, And geography, we see the world a little different because you grew up somewhere else and you look backwards and forwards. And of course, a great appreciation for international food. Go sushi, right? To my disadvantage, particularly when I first returned to Canada in high school in the early 1980s, my neither here nor there Identity often caused me to feel displaced when I returned back to Canada again. Now, in sports, I do cheer for Team Canada, but I also cheer for Team Japan. So I grew up with a lot of mixture, mixed diet, Japanese and international foods, the best of both worlds. But just like anyone else, 
with hearts broken by sin and also prejudice, discrimination, I can become overly proud of my own cultural biases and be prejudiced against other nations. And I think we all have our own prejudices. That's why the theme of the nations in the Psalms is important for us to explore. Now, as you will see, even though God is troubled by all the nations in the Psalms, he is deeply concerned for their welfare. And there is no doubt that God has a heart for the nations. Now, the place of the nations in the Psalms really comes down to one practical question for us. And that is this. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Or who are you willing to be a neighbor with? You know, when I lived in Japan, the Japanese tended to be prejudiced against the Koreans. Now, my parents, of course, who were missionaries in Japan, happened to be good friends with a Korean doctor and his wife. And in fact, they were highly successful. They owned their own private hospital in the city that we lived. And so even though they were prominent members of the community due to the nationalistic attitudes in Japan that existed back then, they were never able to obtain Japanese citizenship. In fact, they might have been born there. All because of this prejudice against them. Now, unfortunately, these prejudices even influence Christians in Japan and in Korea, sadly. Wherever you come from in the world, but especially for the church, we need to view the nations of the world as God sees them. He cares for them. So again, who is your neighbor? It is, only, is it only our people? Or do we include, include those people? as we sometimes say, who speak a different language, who look a little different from you. Who is your neighbor is a question for every one of us because we often defend our own people at the expense of those other people. So we have to be careful when it comes to the nations. A concern of the Psalms is the charge to bless the nations. So Psalm 2 is the first psalm that talks about the nations. And right from the get-go, you have this rage of the nations, right? Why are the nations angry, the psalmist cries. And it goes to talk about the kings and its rulers, and they plot against the Lord. So there's this tension in the psalms. However, this does not change God's heart to bless the people of the earth. And so Psalm 2 makes clear later on, God will install his king who will bring about justice against the nations and who conspire against the Lord. But then at the end of Psalm 2, in verse 12, it says, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. The invitation is for all. Yes, even the nations. 
Psalm 117 is another good example. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The psalmist is saying, when the nations praise God, God will bless the nations. And when we serve the Lord with honor, we fall under his blessing. All the nations of the earth are under God's sovereign control. You know, God is not shocked by events such as Russia invading Ukraine. God is not surprised by these things. Yes, there is incredible evil and injustice in this world. Rogue and angry nations still exist, just like they did way back in David's day. But no matter how bad... This has not changed God's desire and concern for the nations. Sometimes our neighbors are hard to love. But God calls us to love as he did. So long ago, God called Abraham for the purpose of bringing blessings through him and his family for the nations. Genesis 12, 3, all families of the earth will be blessed through you. That missional spirit always existed. Later, God said to Moses, out of the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. You see, the very creation of the nation of Israel was for the sake of the nations, to be a light to the nations. So just as the church today, through Jesus Christ, is called to be a light to the nations. The Psalms also express joyous worship from the nations because they belong to God. Psalm 66, 1-5 says this, Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name, make his praises glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you and sing praises to you. They sing praises of your name. Come see what God has done, his awesome deeds for mankind. And yet another verse, Psalm 86, 9. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you. Lord, they will bring glory to your name. You know, it wasn't just that Israel had offered praises to God. God's burden was for the whole earth, that all the nations would erupt in joyous praise to their God. Now, under God's sovereign care, the Psalms also speak that God is drawing the nations to himself. This is Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. So since the establishment of the church, uh, this is Acts chapter 2, Christianity has gone global. In fact, Jesus said, In Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will be my witness 
witnesses starting from Jerusalem and then to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So just by that geography, everything is spreading outwards, right? So here we are, 2,000 years have passed, and we clearly see how God has drawn all people from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth to himself. So where nations humble themselves before Christ, the Spirit tends to move in. When there is self-sufficiency, the Spirit of God appears to turn away. At one time, the global north turned to Christ, and missionaries came out of the global north around the world. Today, it seems to be reversed. The global north has sadly turned away from Christ, but the global south, the Spirit seems to have moved in. Where some of the darkest nations of the planet before have turned to Christ. Nations in Africa and South America. Indeed, God's people from all the nations are erupting in joy and praise to God. And God is drawing the nations to himself. Now, in the last, you know, 20 years or so, the Holy Spirit has been doing amazing things amongst the Muslims in nations such as Iraq and Iran. In Afghanistan, through dreams and visions, through TV, through the internet, where traditional evangelism and missionaries are completely illegal. There's a book entitled Dreams and Visions by Tom Doyle. I have the copy if you want to borrow it. It's an awesome book. But he shares multiple stories, and he's got thousands of them, so he only has maybe 20 in this book. But they're stories about how Muslims have miraculously turned to Christ. So let me share you just kind of uh, one of the stories. I've abbreviated it, but it's a wonderful story. The story is about a lady by the name of Dina. And she's Iranian. And she is a member of a female police force, the secret police force, and their job is to enforce Muslim law. Now, she hated Christianity. This is the way they're raised. But through the ministry of Hormoz, and he's the name of an Iranian evangelist who lives in Los Angeles, but he has a TV ministry that beams into Iran, if people can find it. And her life was transformed. Now, Dina lived in deep shame because she is unmarried in Iran, which is shameful. Her mother is in a bad way because she is dying of cancer. And so Dina ended up calling into this show, this TV show, even though she really didn't want Jesus to be the answer. But she was completely desperate. In fact, on the show... Her first encounter with this evangelist, she told him that she wanted to commit suicide right there on the show. But Hermas, the evangelist, explained to her over the phone that Jesus could help her. Now, eventually, she made this half hearted prayer to receive Christ. Five days later, she hears a knock on her door. It's her mother. She comes with this peaceful smile. 
Now, incredibly, her mother, she knows nothing of her daughter's half-hearted commitment to Christ. She knows nothing about her mom listening to this TV show and talking on the phone with this evangelist. She knows nothing. But she comes to the door, and she shares with her daughter that she has seen a vision of Jesus in her own room. And after she wakes up, she realizes that she has no pain at all. The Spirit of God has touched her body, made her well. I mean, she was living in agony for months, dying of cancer, but now the pain was gone. In fact, she couldn't walk. Now she's able to walk to her mother's door where they have this encounter. And she tells of her encounter, of the vision of Christ. And both Dina and now her mother fully commit themselves to Jesus Christ at a great cost, of course. Dina admitted to Hormaz, the evangelist living in L.A., that she really didn't want Jesus to be the answer. But once flooded with depression and suicide, after she witnessed her mother's healing and the witness of the vision of Jesus, her heart and mind was then flooded with peace. Her mother's cancer never returned. Eventually, Dina left the secret police, and the Lord allowed her to meet a Christian husband from the same Muslim background who also converted to Christ, right? So that's one story in this book, and there are thousands of them. God is doing amazing things in countries you would not think would happen like that, right? Iran and Iraq. I mean, we never hear stories like this in the media, right? We're more influenced by how, what the media perceives of the nations. But something is happening. God is clearly drawing these closed nations of the world to himself. Tom Doyle, the author of this book, says that more Muslims are coming to faith in Jesus today than ever before. In fact, he says there are more Muslims that have come to Christ in the last 20 years than in the last 14 centuries. So you go, what is happening? Well, God loves them. He's drawing them to himself. Even though today the nations rage against Christ, God has not forgotten the nations without Jesus. This is why the psalmist prayed in Psalm twenty-two, twenty-seven: all the, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. That sounds pretty prophetic. Coming right from the Psalms, this burden that God has for the nation, a burden that you and I must also share. So we go back to the question. Who is your neighbor? You know, I've been here for 16 years, and I've noticed that Grand Prairie has become more international now than ever before. Have you noticed that? We need to pay attention to that. Who is your neighbor? Luke 10, an expert of law comes to Jesus. 
He wants to test them. And he asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered his question with his own question. A very Jesus thing to do. He says, what is written in the law? It's like, hey, you're the lawyer. Tell me the goods. Tell me the answer. And so the expert in the law replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He spoke correctly. And so Jesus seized upon this moment because he knows that the expert in the law had prejudices in his own spirit. And so he goes to tell the famous story of the Samaritan man. Those other people. Those other people from that other nation. And he despised them because he didn't like the way they behaved. He didn't like their political stances. He didn't like them for religious reasons. He didn't like them, period. He was a racist. But in the parable, the Samaritan man is made to look like the good neighbor, what a good neighbor ought to be. But shamefully, as the story goes, the Israelite priest and then the Levite, who were all called to be a light to the nations, to show the beauty of the Lord to the world, they completely ignored this helpless, beaten man. And so that's the question. Who is your neighbor? That's the question of the Psalms. Who is your neighbor? You see, one day, Jesus will reign over the nations. One day, Jesus is going to bring blessing to the nations. According to Bible commentator James Mays, in the ancient Near East, the king served three functions. He provided security against his enemies. He was responsible for justice and order. And he promoted the well-being of the people as an expression of divine blessing. Now back to Psalm 2 again, verses 6 to 7. It speaks about God choosing and installing a king. And then in verse 7 it says, He said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Then in Psalm 72, 1 to 4, 12 to 14, the king's vocation, if you will, is documented. It goes like this. Give the king your justice, O Lord, and your righteousness to a king's son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. May the mountains yield prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the needy and crush the oppressor. For he delivers the needy when they call and the poor and those who have no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. You see, the king's vocation is to mirror God's vocation as the king 
and creator of the universe. See, then in Psalm 72, 17b, following all this, we see the outcome of the work of the king. And it says this, May all nations be blessed in him. May they pronounce him happy. There's always this spirit of mission for the nations. So who is the king? Well, in the Gospels, Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. The heavens open up and there's a voice of the Father speaking, saying, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased, Mark 1.11. And of course, you recognize right away, this is Psalm 2. It's identifying this installed king to be Jesus himself. King Jesus has come. He has come to unite. He has come to heal. He has come to save. He has come to bless all the nations, not to exploit, nor to crush, but he came to save. Peace and security for the nations can happen only through Jesus Christ and not through the foolishness of the nations. There is only one king. There is only one Lord, and he is Jesus. And he has come for the nations. It's the burden of the Psalms. It's the burden of the Bible. Finally, when you get to the end of our Bibles, we see this vision of the future. And that should tell you something. Revelations 21, 40, 24 to 27, it says the nations will walk by its light. Speaking of Jesus, right? And the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. For there will be no night there. No need for security gates. Or cameras. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it, it says. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So here in the Psalms, and other texts, obviously, God's heart is for the nations. And our heart must be the same. So, again, let me ask you the question. Who is your neighbor? Who are you allowing to be into your life? You know, God brings people into your life, whether it's through your job, or whether it's the lineup at Superstore, or or ever. Your neighbor is whoever God brings into your life. Your neighbor is whoever. That's everyone. We can't reach everyone, but we got to focus on who God brings into your own life, right? No matter what skin color, what language, whoever they are, ask yourself, do you have a heart for the nations, for all peoples of the earth, like Jesus did, like God does? 
So you ask, ask yourself again, who is your neighbor? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may we be open to the charge of the Psalms. It's your desire to bring blessing to the nations. It's your desire to create within your church a deep love, a deep desire for the nations to know who you are. And Lord, we're so excited to hear testimonies like Dina and many, many others reminding us that you have this love and desire for these people who are just trapped in such depressing and shameful um, situations in the nations, but you care for them, you love them. And so may we have the same heart and spirit and desire to pray for the world around us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I just invite you to stand as we sing this last song.